You're listening to the Women's Hope Podcast of the Masters University with Dr. Shelby Cullen and Kimberly Cummings. Join them as they bring hope and encouragement through 25 years of combined experience in biblical discipleship and counseling as ACBC counselors. Shelby and Kimberly provide biblical and practical wisdom by coming alongside women with the teaching and resources necessary to grow in the grace and the knowledge of their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Welcome to the Women's Hope Podcast. I am Kimberly Cummings, and I am here with Dr. Shelby Cullen, my pal. (laughs) Welcome. We're so glad you're listening with us this morning. Yes. Uh, good morning. And I'm so thankful to be here, too. I just love it when I get these opportunities to be in the recording studio with you. But I do have an important question for you. Sure. Fire. <laughs> Inquiring minds want to know what it was like to go with David to Columbia, because I know that you just got back from there. And I'm sitting in the studio with a incredible bag of incredible coffee. And um, yeah, so how was it? <laughs> uh, it was incredible. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was really great. God is so kind that he would offer us that opportunity to go and, uh, first of all, encourage our missionaries. Yes. Right. Who are partners mm-hmm. with GMI. And also just to see what's going on with the new church plant and to help them establish and give them a good, solid foundation of what is the church. Mm -hmm. You know, so my husband got to teach like eight times and, um, you know, did a QA, and a and the questions were incredible. They're just solid thinkers. Um, and then just to get to have a tea with the women and get to know them better and encourage them and their growth and their role within the church. And uh, we actually brought two suitcases full of teaching material for them. Oh, yeah. That's common on STMs, is it not? <laughs> yeah. So that was really Lots good. Of resources. Yeah. Yeah. So a book written by MacArthur on the church, mm-hmm. uh, and then Fundamentals of the Faith. And then also, You Go Girl was translated. To say it's in their language. It is in their language now. Thank you to Know the Truth and to Philip DeCourcy, who gave us the opportunity to have that properly translated and to uh, distribute it to the women there. So Fantastic, Kim. Yeah, yeah. And it's all about, you know, the church. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're just getting on the right start. So I just love it when I hear that leadership in the church, pastor um, goes and visits the missionary. That's always been such a um, uh, something that my husband, Sean, just really believes in. And just to, like you said, go and encourage and um, be involved in some aspect of the ministry. You really get to know your missionaries and they are just so encouraged. Mm-hmm by and your presence people, there. Yeah. There are people to pray for their mm-hmm. people. I mean, there's so many people that are near and dear to my heart now. I mean, the list goes on that Claudia, she listens to the podcast and Aww. she practices her English and I love she, it. I know, isn't that cute? And there is Maria Christina and of course Vanna, the missionary mm-hmm. there. And just to be able to pray together to just share what the Lord's doing in their lives. Can't trade it for anything. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. You know, it started out as a vacation, and it, it really was It was a working vacation, but it was incredible. Good. Well, so, praise the Lord for that. Abs- always praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, like I said, 
we are kind of just hitting the ground running after. (laughs) I bet, I bet. You know, having some, you know, just really full time of ministry. And, you know, the thing that Colombians do is they feed you nonstop. Mm -hmm. And here we are now on the hills of the holidays. (laughs) Yes. So I had a lot of sugar in Colombia. It's like any semblance of a diet just goes out the window. (laughs) It was gone. It was gone. Great, amazing food, by the way. Not Mm -hmm. that that was the emphasis. But with that being said, I have to know, because here we are right here at the holidays. What is your favorite pie? What is my favorite pie? Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. Um, First of all, I love pie. (laughs) And I would have to say my favorite pie definitely um, is more in the cherry, okay. berry type fruit. of thing. Yeah, fruit. I'm more of a fruit pie person because it just brings back lots of good memories of making those things from my own fruit growing up, you know, as a kid, but in particular cherry. Okay. And my family isn't particularly fond of it. So if I do make it, I have a whole pie to myself. Yes. <laughs> What about you? What is your favorite pie? That's a great question. Okay, well, I'm from Texas, and my dad was raised in the pecan capital of the world. Sure. (laughs) So I I was raised eating pecan pie, and it it was a funny thing at the holidays. How many pies were there at the family gathering? Um, But pecan pie stuck. And uh, that's when I have my aunt's recipe. Are you going to make a lot? Because that's Sean's favorite. Can you make one for me? (laughs) Oh, well, that's good to know. Because there's a couple of guys who love. (laughs) Okay, okay, good to know. Well, I am going to share the recipe on our Facebook group. Okay, I'll try to make it then. So maybe, maybe I'll get to make you one. We'll, we'll try to accommodate that it's it's a very sweet pie isn't it? it's got lots of sugar it it has a, a lot of corn syrup oh. and then it has sugar as well so i'm not delicious. gonna lie it's so good it's so good <laughs> yeah i've tried keto versions <laughs> keto versions the, is there even such a thing it's it doesn't do the same mm. yeah it's not the same so do you put ice cream on your pie do you do it a la mode um, is this a confession or? <laughs> well, I'm just, I was just going to say I do. So okay. I guess well, so. <laughs> you know, I think ice cream just complements any pie perfectly other than chicken pot pie. But um, <laughs> if I could, I would. Yeah. And you know, if I could get Bluebell, that would just make it perfect. But Aww. we don't have Bluebell here. So that's okay. I've, I'm willing to substitute so anyway but enough about pie talk but yeah. i but i am going to share On a my serious yes <laughs> i am going to share my aunt gloria's recipe with the facebook group so if you haven't joined the women's hope facebook group be sure to because there will be some other things there um not just for your tummy but also for your soul um uh, so Like I said, the holidays, they're here, Shelby. They are here. I can't believe it. Ready or not. And sometimes they're challenging, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our listeners, uh, if they're like many families we know, maybe even our own, when we come together once or twice a year, uh, it can be kind of awkward, can Mm -hmm. it? Um, We've all seen the Christmas movies that make fun of the family dynamic at the holidays. Uh, but sometimes it's not so funny. Sometimes it's just plain hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only that, it doesn't end in two hours true. like those movies. <laughs> That's true. Um, sometimes it's difficult and we find ourselves sitting at the dinner table in conversations with people who really 
we don't have anything in common with. Mm -hmm. uh, their politics are different. Our lifestyles may be different. Uh, some family members even come to the dining room table with their uh, sleeves rolled up, ready to rumble. <laughs> yeah. It's just like they're ready to talk about whatever the latest controversy is and get everybody's uh, blood boiling. But bottom line, the fact is maybe our worldviews are different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, then we find ourselves in these awkward situations where we don't know what to say. Or when we say something, we're not sure how to say it. Or maybe we're not sure when to just be quiet and not say anything at all, which can, there's a lot of wisdom that's required with that, right? Mm -hmm. So Shelby, we want to look at a passage today that is timeless, first of all, because it's from the scriptures. But second of all, uh, it's not just for the holidays, but it, it's applicable to all of life and um, we just wanted to give you a little holiday survival kit that comes from the Word of God. We were actually joking. I asked my husband, I was like, what should we title this? And he said, how to avoid the nightmare before Christmas. There you go. <laughs> I still think that's hilarious. I know, and hilarious. But uh, we really want to help our listeners to guard their hearts and just give this little spiritual survival kit. So before Shelby and I go through this familiar passage with this holiday season in mind, I want to encourage our listeners to think of this bigger picture as you prepare your heart. The best thing that any of us can do uh, before we prepare that pecan pie is to prepare our hearts, right? There you go. Mm -hmm. So as we get ready for this busy season, I want you to think of two words, providence and purpose. Mm. Okay? God and his providence is placing these awkward and difficult moments in our lives for his purpose and his kind intentions. And we want to glorify God every day. And part of that is in the holiday season, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So ladies, if you have your Bibles with you, or if you could just even grab your phone and open to the book of Ephesians, we just want to give hopefully some practical and really thought provoking explanations of this passage to really help us to understand ourselves, who we were, who we are, and to relate that to maybe who we'll be sitting across the table with this holiday season. So if you have your Bibles open to Ephesians 4, and I'm going to begin in verse 17, and we're really just going to address the heart of the issue when it comes down to communication with others. So I'll begin reading. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. 
But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. So I think it's always a good reminder and helps us to have a heart of compassion, which you're going to talk about in a little bit, is if we remember who we were before Christ. Absolutely. Right? Mm -hmm. And we can rejoice. We are not that person anymore. But this passage began with this wrong thinking that resulted in ungodly speech and behavior. Notice it says that we were once thinking wrong. And it says that we are no longer to be as the Gentiles, which is saying an unbeliever, right? Mm -hmm. It's the same thing as saying an unbeliever. And we're not to be like them in the futility of their minds. Uh, They were darkened in their understanding and alienated from the life of God because of ignorance that was in them and because of the hardness of their heart. And the word in this passage regarding their minds is matayotes. And in this passage, it's saying that their minds are literally perverse and depraved. And this is the idea of the depravity of man, right, that we talk about before we are in Christ. Our hearts are depraved. They're sick. They're desperately wicked. And uh, they're darkened in their understanding. So it's the same word that is actually used to describe a false teacher. That shows that the thinking that is going on in someone who is not true to the word of God, who does not have God in their lives. What being darkened in their understanding literally means is that their minds are blind. Hmm. Their minds cannot see. And why is that? Because God has to remove the blinders, right? He has to open our eye, the eyes of our heart to help us to see. And that ignorance word there is a moral blindness. So there's just no capability of good, right, Um, for those who are not in Christ. And that's who we were before Christ. That is exactly who I was, Shelby, and that's exactly who you were. But praise the Lord, he did a work in our lives. And so there's hope that God can do a work in the lives of whoever's sitting with you at the dining room table or in, in your home for the holidays. So this is who we were. And this is who God and his providence this holiday season has brought into your life. So remember, providence and purpose. But we are changed now. Our hearts, which define who we really are, have been sanctified and set apart for new purposes. Uh, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 tells us we're not saved by good works. But we are saved for good works. That's right. And so this holiday season, we have an opportunity for good works and promoting uh, the name of Jesus Christ and making his name great. So consider this opportunity that you have for the kingdom of God. So because we are new creatures in Christ, we walk in a new way and we're not walking 
as the old man walks, right? As the Gentiles walk, uh, because God has done this work in our lives and we're no longer walking blind um, or in this spiritual or moral blindness. We are different. Uh, Philippians 1 6 tells us he's begun a new work and he is the one that continues the work and we continue with him. We talked about this the other day. Uh, we don't just let go and let go God, right? We take hold with God. The Holy Spirit is alive and well in us. He is working in us. He is changing us. He is conforming us more and more into the image of Christ, even during the holiday season. We have been freed from the power of sin, and we are being changed progressively, the slow process, right, of sanctification, of becoming more like Christ. And He is completing this good work until glory, even at the holiday dining room table. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, I I love Ephesians 4, um, and I I love... uh, uh, Paul's just biblical argument there, Kim. I mean, he really emphasizes the fact that as an in Christ one, you must change. You know, right. there's definitely things going on there. So I would say even prior to just gathering with family and friends this season, that we can encourage our hearts by just examining ourselves and just mm-hmm. be encouraged by the good yeah. fruit that is present in your life because you are uh, no longer a Gentile, as it were, but you are an in Christ one. And so praise the Lord for that. And and please, I would just encourage all of us, never take that for, for granted because mm-hmm. it's a sure sign of Christ's presence in your life. Um, the fact of the matter is, as uh, Kim said so well, God has changed us and we really aren't um, who we once were. And the good news is that transformation you were talking about, it is ongoing. Mm-hmm. Um, it is ongoing in our life. And so we have to be committed to just that new growth and change. And Paul talks about that in the next section we're going to look at. It's it's as if he's saying, in light of who we are in Christ, uh, we need to be committed to uh, that idea of, of process and change or just growing, I would say, in the likeness of Christ. So that gets away from that let go, let God right there, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, in Ephesians twenty two twenty four, 24, uh, we're given three primary aspects to that. He goes into um, how it's our responsibility, really, to put off bad fruit while being renewed in the spirit of our mind and then, you know, putting on good fruit, or I would say, um, walking in a manner worthy of your calling, right? Because mm-hmm. we exactly. see that a lot in mm-hmm. Ephesians and other places. But Ephesians 4, 22 to 24, let's read it together. Um, Paul says to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt mm. through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness Now, um, just from studying this over the years, I know that there is a sense in which the old man has already been put off. That's really what you were kind of speaking to. We are new creatures in Christ. Mm -hmm. You know, the old has been put away. Um, Mm -hmm. The new has come. Um, We were justified at our conversion, and God has removed the guilt and penalty of our sin. Praise the Lord. And he has at the same time declared all of us believers righteous through that atoning sacrifice um, of Christ. So we're sanctified. Um, 
you talked about the positional sanctification and progressively we're still being sanctified. That's the truth that we've all been taught. That's the truth we know to be true in Christ. That's what we're taught from the pulpit, praise the Lord, Mm -hmm. and um, what we encourage each other with daily, right? Um, But nonetheless, as believers, it's interesting We still find ourselves doing things that God doesn't approve of. (laughs) And as I consider the family dynamic, um, thoughts that are coming to my mind are things like that temptation to harbor bitterness Mm -hmm. when your expectations aren't met Mm. or or being at the dinner table and snarky things are being said. It's kind of a passive aggressive move, if you will. You're just kind of being snarky. Um, You're just being rude, really. Or it might be a dynamic where uh, there's unresolved conflict in the family. You're, mm-hmm. you're not leaning in and, and seeking to resolve that. Um, rather, you're, resi- you're, remember, you know how we always say, you're not really being a true peacemaker. You're just being a peacekeeper. Or faker. Know, or, or faker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, peace faker. That's a good one. And that's the heartache um, and the tension for all of us because we still battle sin, the side of heaven. And, and we are, we're cognizant that we, we can't live up to God's standard perfectly. But the good news is because of Christ, there's at least a heart's desire to, um, to just obey out of love for, for God. You know, we, that, that, in that sense, the heart's been changed. But I love this quote from my pastor um, that he once taught from the pulpit, John MacArthur. He says, this new part of us, the innermost self that has been redeemed and no longer approves of the sin, still clings to our unredeemed humanness. So yeah, we have a new nature for sure. But this side of heaven, that sin still clings, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> it does. It does. And, and Paul says the same thing in Galatians, really. Um mm-hmm. He says uh, in Galatians 5, 17, that the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, for these are in opposition to one another. And we we know that for sure. Yes. So that you may not do the things that you please. You know, that just that just really hits it on the head. So we do contend with our flesh. That's that is one of our enemies that we deal with. Enemy number one, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's other two other enemies we deal with all the time, the world and Satan. But at least that gives us perspective. So if you're wondering why you battle, you know, um, when these events are taking place, this is what is going on. Mm-hmm. This is what's going on. Um, so in light of that, the, this residue of sin, if you will, that continues to cling on, we must, as verse 23 encourages us to, um, to be continually renewed in the spirit of our minds. And what Paul really means there is just to think God's thoughts after him. Um, you know, there, you and I are just such champions and advocates of trying to emphasize the fact that there's such value in being in God's word in so many different ways. Um, you know, hearing it being taught from the pulpit to being engaged in Bible study so you can go a little deeper and study it to treasuring God's word in your heart so Mm -hmm. that not only are you memorizing it, but you're also meditating upon it Mm -hmm. in that process. Um, because if you're not doing that, what are, what is happening? You're, you're pulling from the culture, right? You're pulling from the culture and, and, um, and basically who and what they think God is, Mm -hmm. right? Um, so because God's word gives the believer everything they need for godliness and and including these moments where we have to be with family at holiday, um, we can be assured that, um, God, the Holy spirit uses, that's the very means that he uses to renew us Mm -hmm. in the spirit of our mind, which, um, from my estimation is where the battle begins. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Well, in this passage, just it explains where they were and their thinking, right? Yeah, and you went right yeah. to that. You you really got into how we thought, our thought life before we became believers, mm -hmm. and how that needs to change. Mm -hmm. And so there's a sense in which it has been because we're new creatures, but we have to continue yes. to deal with that issue um, mm -hmm. and to be changed from the inside out. Um, and while we're in the midst of, of seeking to lay aside whatever the sin is, and we're, we're going to God's word, we're seeking to be renewed in the spirit of our mind because God is sanctifying us from the inside out, we have to step out in faith and we have to be willing to put on the new man. That's that's the full package. It's not just one or the other, you know. Um, and according to Paul here, true change really doesn't take place just by stopping the, the sinful behavior anyways. Um, and so, you know, rather he's just trying to emphasize this idea that as you as you repent of that sinful habit, whatever that is, and you're active in your time in the word. At the same time, you're actively working to put on the new man. And notice how I used actively a lot. <laughs> Putting on the new man, which means you're you're seeking to establish a new godly habit by God's grace, of course. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about behaviorism here. By right. God's grace. And I would add, out of love for Christ. Mm -hmm. I think obedience has to flow from a heart of love for God. Absolutely. And to change for his glory. Mm-hmm. That's just so huge. And we see in Scripture, as we kind of go along in that passage, Paul does a great job of helping us to see examples of transformation um, in verses 15 to 32. So, for example, in verse 29, Kim, Paul says that a speaker of unwholesome words must stop doing that. They must stop speaking in that way. And they're to put on words that are in keeping with who they are in Christ. Mm -hmm. And so you want to elaborate on that a little bit, because at holiday time, especially, there is this huge temptation of just saying these kind, just, just speaking without thinking, really, and words that are that are not kind, corrupt, and not, you know, unwholesome. There's and that a reason kind of thing. they call it a stream yeah. of consciousness. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> it's just like what's in the what's in the well is coming up from the bucket. Exactly. Yeah. Out of the heart, the mouth mm -hmm. speaks. Yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So what do you've got to say about that? Yeah, so it, it starts right there in 29. It says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. And the word here for corrupting talk is literally rottenness of speech. And the word corrupt there is used in scripture for bad fruit, for rotten fruit. It's the exact same word that is used for rotten fruit. So we're getting a picture here, right? Who wants to eat rotten fruit? Yeah, right. <laughs> Nasty. It's gross. It's rancid. You know, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. It could make you sick. I mean, we nobody wants to eat bad fruit. But it's it's literally used to describe fruit on a tree from Matthew 12. And I'm going to read that. And I want you to turn there with me if you can, because it, it reminds us that we are to look and sound in our speech and conversations different because we are now rooted in Christ, mm -hmm. right? So you see that picture of when we are rooted in Christ, then that tree is going to look different and the fruit won't be rotten. Um, so the fruit of our lives is not going to look like the world's. And Jesus really had some strong words to say to the Pharisees who were blinded 
by wrong thinking about the work and the life of Christ. They were after him, right? Wanting to kill him. They were wanting to kill him. They, they, were, they were nitpicking at every little thing to show that he was wrong. Somehow he was wrong, but they were the ones that were wrong. So Matthew 12, 33 through 37, I want to read that. It says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers. (laughs) Probably not a word you want to use at the dining room table this holiday season, but Jesus used it for a very a necessary purpose. These were, these were people who were religious and didn't were not seeking a relationship with Jesus Christ at all. How can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. How many words? Every. Every careless word that is spoken. For by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. Shelby, what comes out of our mouths reveals whether or not we have a transformed heart. Jesus said, Absolutely. Jesus I think that's said, clear. It's very clear. And when our hearts are changed, our thinking is changed. And this results in our speech being changed. And I love this idea that's in Ephesians 4 because it says that we renew our minds. Mm-hmm. We are to renew our minds. We are constant, like you said, Bible study, Bible reading, treasuring God's word in our heart. We are changing our thinking and our thinking is beginning to look like what we see in the word of God, and then our actions follow. Mm. So even at the holiday table with a, ho- uh, with a difficult family member, right? Our speech is to be fruitful. It is to be an offering to God. Our speech is an offering to God. Psalm 1914, after speaking about the wonderful transforming work of God on our souls, commands us to let the words of our heart and the meditations, I'm sorry, the words of our mouth, rather, and the meditations of our hearts to be pleasing to Him. See the connection there? Oh, absolutely. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, you can't separate it. You Mm-mm. cannot separate what is in the well will come up in the bucket. And it says that he is our rock and our redeemer. Shelby, help us to think about what we are to desire to put on as we renew our minds, okay? Absolutely, because for many, the anxiety barometer rises as soon as we think about family holidays. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So (laughs) kind of with that visual in mind or just that idea, you know, of us setting the table, um, Paul actually talks about three things that need to be present um, when we're talking about uh, godly speech. Um, He says that we are to speak good words that edify, uh, that are timely, and minister grace to the the hearer. Mm -hmm. And so the second half there of that, of verse 29, he just simply says that the new man really is characterized by words that are good for building up, as fits the occasion, 
that it may give grace to those who hear. And so as we began to think through putting off rotten speech, um, we need to think um, about the importance of speaking good words that edify. And that just means words that um, seek to build up the other person or to strengthen them, maybe even to increase the potential of someone. Because obviously when your speech is, is foul or evil, it's going to be harmful because it does nothing but tear the person down. And it's, and it's, right. it's just a reflection of an old man way or an old mm-hmm. way of thinking. But the new man um, actually um, is other-centered. Um, Kim does a great job of always teaching about the one another's. And so that's, that's kind of where the focus needs to be. We need to be other-centered. We need to build people up. And, and what's the motivation for that? Again, it goes back to out of doing it out of love for Christ. Or we could say um, out of love. So loving the Lord your God with your whole heart, mind, and soul would be part of that. And then loving your neighbor as yourself. That seems to be mm-hmm. always a motivator for um, everything we engage in. So, yeah, words that edify. What can you say to build this person up? You know, maybe think ahead of time, that challenging family member, but mm-hmm. maybe you can think ahead of time what that would be. Um, also, Good. just thinking through speaking words that edify, but speaking words that edify at the right time, exclamation point, <laughs> at the right time. In other words, you know, the words we speak, even if they are edifying, and even with the intent of speaking them in love, um, we ought to be very timely when we communicate them. Um, sometimes we do need to speak truth to family members in love, which is great because that's just part of what we're called to do. But where we err, I think, is, is when to say it, you know, when, when, it, you know, when it's timely. So I think of the family gathering where truth needs to be spoken because there is obviously conflict going on there and things do need to be said. You know, maybe that's the only time you get together, perhaps. But speaking those words at the holiday table when you're all sitting there to eat is probably not the best time. (laughs) I mean, Jesus actually gives us a model. If you need to talk to somebody, you got to do it in private anyway. But um, so he's not saying don't do it. But he's saying, listen, you know, um, we need to just think about timeliness or season, you know, when, mm-hmm. when would be the appropriate time. And I think just praying about that mm-hmm. is really helpful. Um, mm-hmm. So speaking edifying words, but speaking words that edify at the right time, and then also striving with God's help to put on edifying speech um, that ministers grace to the hearer. So in other words, the actual words that I'm speaking do they actually reflect graciousness and kindness to the person that's sitting across from me in the same way that the Lord has shown kindness to me? And he's not really talking about a mere disposition. Uh, Paul means an expectation, actually. Mm-hmm. So the words that are coming out of your mouth, is it in keeping with who you are in Christ? And are you actually doing that? Um And then he goes on to say, uh, which I think is interesting that it's connected to the words we speak. But Paul goes on to say in verse 30 that we grieve the Holy Spirit, um, you know, when we choose to engage in unwholesome speech. I think that's just interesting that those are connected because we know the Holy Spirit. Well, and, and maybe this is the reason why. I mean, this makes sense as I think about it further. But as we know, the Holy Spirit's work in the believer is to sanctify him or her. 
So we know that that's his role. And so when we resort to uh, speaking unwholesome speech or getting caught up in any other sinful acts, such as anger and bitterness, which Paul does talk about also, we're obviously resisting the Holy Spirit's work in our life. And when we do that, we're grieving him at the same time. And right. so then I had to take it a step further and look up the word grieve. What it, What is Paul talking mm-hmm. about here? Because that's grievous to me to think about that. And he really means sorrowful and distressed. So it, it, it distresses the Holy Spirit when we're not speaking words um, that are in keeping with who we are in Christ, when we're resorting back to the old man way. Um, and you, you said it so well. Um, Jesus talks about that in Matthew, that our words do express our hearts. And so good words obviously reflect a heart that is desiring to worship God and to bring him glory, even in the most difficult of situations. It's got to be your focus. While bad words just simply reflect a heart that is focused on self and it needs to repent. Mm -hmm. It needs to repent. So anyway, you know, unwholesome speech, it's definitely connected to the old man, as it were, and we're emphatically exhorted not to engage in that, that we must change because we have been changed. And then another example that Paul uses of transformation in terms of areas that we need to work on has to do with with sinful anger. And I wanted to take a look at that as well, because that's another temptation that we um, are tempted towards, I should say, when we're together Mm -hmm. with difficult family situations at holiday, right? Sure. You want to elaborate on that? Sure. It brings up thoughts of maybe, you know, past instances of hard hard things that have happened within the family. And so you may notice some things physically changing inside of you. <laughs> I mean, when you oh, look yeah, at I the, feel it. Yeah. yeah. When I'm angry, you mean? Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I want to talk about this idea of being told to put off bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, and malice. Okay. Because these words are very descriptive. And so as I was just going through these, it really made me evaluate my heart and and say, okay, am, am I behaving this way in any given situation and and thinking about it because they are so descriptive when you when you look them up and and study them and note that it says let all. Mm-hmm. okay. So if we're not to grieve the Holy Spirit, then we need to put off all of these things. And so this is something we're going to continually renew our mind. And there is to be no hint of the following things in our communication as we get together with our family or anytime. Anytime. Uh, Anytime. Mm -hmm. And the first there is bitter speech. And this is the idea of uh, being rooted in or embittered or hateful thinking about a person. This word uh, that comes from the Greek root describes uh, bitterness as to cut, to prick. Um, It's sharp, it's pointed, and it's harsh. Okay, mm-hmm. stop and think about that. I think the Greek word is pakria. So that it is, it, so you, it yeah. literally mm-hmm. is prakia. So this idea is it's just a very sharp feeling and attitude that you have towards someone. And it actually speaks figuratively about a dangerous virus or something acidic. Okay. <laughs> 
You know what came to my mind, but go, go ahead. Yeah, I, yeah, we're not going to say it, but yeah, okay. <laughs> so this is the idea of bitterness that is inside of someone. And what what happens with, with the virus? It'll spread, right? It grows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It spreads. And it kills. <laughs> and it kills. It can kill. So, you know, this is this what I want you to think about um, as you're evaluating your thought life and your attitude towards others, because this is really a reflection of your understanding of God's love for you. If you're maintaining bitterness in your heart, we have forgotten the love of God. Mm. Mm-hmm. So we want to really guard our hearts, as we said. So uh, it's the same word that's used in James 3 when we consider the concept of taming our tongues and that bad water doesn't come out of the same spring as good water. Okay, so it's the idea that is there's just poison there. All right. Um, when I was in Columbia, I went to brush my teeth when we were at the conference center and the water out of the sink came out brown, and I realized it as I was brushing my teeth. And we have to be really careful when we're in other countries, right? Um, and it would be crazy and reckless for me to just go and drink that water knowing that it's got something wrong with it, and it's going to harm me. And uh we need to be the same way with our attitudes of bitterness and make sure that we're not allowing that to infect our own lives or the lives of others. Um, wrath is this angry kind of heat. So like I said, we feel it, right? Mm-hmm. So it's this angry heat and it's the idea of a boiling pot of liquid that's just about to spill over, but then it'll go down. And it goes back up again, it'll go down and it comes back up again. It's just on the verge, right, of boiling over. That's the idea of of our hearts that are just boiling over with wrath um, in how we choose to respond to someone. And the word anger is the idea of the juices flowing within the fruit, So now that we've talked about fruit, right? What are these juices? Are they good juices or are they bad juices? Is it good fruit or bad fruit? But it's this, it's this internal motion or agitation of one's soul. It's of our impulses and even violent emotions. And so this is something that's just boiling inside of someone and just ready to come up at any moment. This is not righteous anger. Ladies, this is not righteous, okay? Uh, We're being instructed that this is the kind of anger that we put off. So we know it is sinful anger that needs to be put off. The word clamor is really interesting here. It is an onomata poetic word, and it's imitating a raven's cry. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So here it is. It's the tumult. The uproar, commotion, or controversy. Have you ever seen a dining room table that describes just that thing? Yes. <laughs> okay. That's because that's what's in the hearts of the people, right? Mm-hmm. Right? So we don't want our dining room table, uh, if as far be it with us, to sound like ravens crying. So ladies, if there's ever 
an opportunity for us to participate in this kind of conversation, the holiday table would be one of them. So we must guard our hearts. And then we are to put off slander. We need to be careful what we say about others at our table. Uh, Any speech that injures or defames the character of another person or their name is not to be named among in Christ ones. Okay, so let's remember it's not just what we say or how we say it, but who we say it about. Okay, we want to guard our hearts. So then finally, malice, ladies, this is characterized as a viciousness of character. This is the same word used in Titus 3, 3 as a description of who we were before we received the kindness of God in our salvation. So we're acting like an unbeliever because our hearts are being vicious or malicious. Shelby, what a heart check. I mean, I just, when I was going over these, it was grieving my own heart to think of how capable we are of going to this in just a hot second. And we need to guard our hearts of that. Uh, We've been redeemed by the precious blood of Christ, and we are now identified by him. And we are in union with him. We have to renew our thinking, Shelby, to look as God made us to be in Christ by the help of the Holy Spirit. So now that I've talked about all these horrible things that we are to get rid of, tell us what we are to do and what we are to put on. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. It's always convicting, I you think. You got the more fun yeah, side of I things. Know. I'm just going to say. You got the deep, the deep heart <laughs> ones. No, but I think it's always convicting and helpful when we do these deep dives into what words mean in context. Um, I think that's wonderful. And then to uh, conversely be encouraged by mm-hmm. the grace-enabled obedience that we're able to walk in. Why? Because of the Lord's work in our hearts. Right. You know, um, and so when Paul talks about how we're to walk or how we're to, what we're to put on in verse 32, just remember that's the Lord's work in you. You know, you can't do that. I suppose you could do it apart from Christ, but it's it's not the same spirit-enabled obedience, right? Mm-hmm. We're doing it for a reason, mm-hmm. and, and we'll find out in a moment what that is. But he does tell us that, um, obviously, as we put off all the sinful anger that you were talking about, we're to put on kindness and tenderheartedness and forgiving one another as God in Christ uh, forgave us. And so as believers, uh, you know, we we have to take a step back and realize we are disciples of Christ. And so the call here is really to be um, his example or to follow him, um, following his footsteps, really. And so he gives us three ways uh, in the scriptures there Ways in which I believe Christ himself walked um, out of love for us, right? He walked in that way. And so uh, we're called to walk in that way out of love for him. And it, and it begins by not only putting off anger, but putting on or walking in kindness. And this is a command, you know. Isn't it interesting how kindness is just absent from the culture, <laughs> But for the believer, this uh, this is a command to, to all of us, and it really means just to be gracious, yeah. just to be gracious with one another 
as opposed to what you normally see, which is harshness. People can be so harsh with each other, so hard, so bitter, like you were talking about, so sharp, you know, in the way they speak to one another. Um, but we know um, in scripture, like 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, that love is kind. That's how we are supposed to be. So when we are kind to others, we are actually engaging in loving that person from the heart, even if they're an offender. Um, even Christ says in the Gospels that we are to love our enemies, you know. So there could be a person sitting in front of you that is literally that, but we're still called to be kind. And I always like to talk practically. So practically speaking, when we're extending kindness, what we're doing in some of these settings is we're just choosing with the Lord's help not to say unkind things about those who have hurt us um, or just to them or not to be excessively passive. Because some people think that if I just give the cold shoulder and say nothing at all, that somehow I'm being kind. Oh, no. You still got to deal with your your sinfully angry heart. Mm -hmm. So passive aggressiveness is still considered sin and you've got to deal with that. So don't withdraw, don't give the cold shoulder, but instead look for active God honoring ways to be a blessing towards others. Mm -hmm. That is actually how we overcome evil with good, Mm -hmm. you know? And so that command to be about serving your enemy. Oh, I know. I know. It's so true. Yeah. What a picture of Christ. It's a total picture of Christ. And so that command to be becoming kind is what we would say is in the present middle imperative. It's, so it's a, it's in that, that tone or that voice. It's an imperative. It's a command. I've already said that. But it just simply means that as believers, we are to keep on becoming kind towards others or be a becoming of kindness continually, mm-hmm. not just in the one event when you're at the family holiday event, but always, you know, always. And we can. Why? Because of Christ in us, the hope of glory. That's that's huge. He really does give you the grace that you need to step out in faith and to walk in this way, right? To give glory to God in this way. So we can't step back and say, I can't because of our feelings. We can. We can with the Lord's hope, of course. Is and that it, a bit of a victimization idea? Oh, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah, okay. completely. I guess we forget sometimes that part of kindness, and I'll, I'll, I was, I had, you know, thought about this when I was kind of studying, but we're a, a loving testimony. We're a trophy of God's grace. It's in some of these places, right? Mm-hmm. And so kindness um, is a way <laughs> to win people uh you know, to Christ, as it were, um, you'd be surprised because people really struggle in the area of kindness. And he also talks about the fact that uh, we're to keep on becoming tenderhearted. So instead of being angry with whoever, you know, you're to keep on being um, tenderhearted or it just means to have compassion. And it's the same exhortation that uh, is given to believers in First Peter 3, Um, You know, he talks about instead of repaying evil for evil, we actually are to have a unity of mind, we're to be sympathetic, have brotherly love and a tender heart. And so from scripture, we find that tender heartedness or this idea of compassion is one of the marks of the Christian life. And all through the gospels, compassion is just right in your face as you just follow Christ's life because he he was compassion. So he's our ultimate example of that. 
And Paul goes on to say, even in Colossians 3, verse 12, that as God's chosen ones who um, have been set apart and are loved by God, we are commanded to put on compassionate hearts. That's just part of who we are. So how might you just be thinking right now, ladies, I mean, how might you extend compassion towards those who have hurt you or maybe even disappointed you when you show up at these family events? How are you going to engage in that way? Because sometimes those hurts come from the hands of unbelievers, Mm -hmm. right? And so you never know, um, maybe your compassion um, at your family event, your compassionate attitude will be the very thing that God uses to win them to Christ. You know, God uses that. Um, and so it's so important because honestly, this is sometimes this is great commission work, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. This is our mission field. Um, and then, of course, finally, Paul talks about uh, the believer needing to keep on becoming forgiving. And so what Paul has in mind there is that kind of forgiveness that bears with others. You know, it has the idea of forgiving in the sense of treating the offending, offending party graciously, which, you know, you see in other areas of scripture like Colossians 3.13, where we're called to bear one another, or if anyone has a complaint, to forgive each other. Um, and then I just think that last part of Ephesians 34.32 simply serves as a motivator for walking in this new way. You know, he brings out this idea that as Christians, because we're forgiven people, you know, God has once and for all forgiven our sin as believers in Christ. So how can we not be forgiving people? I mean, it also comes, what brings to mind is just even what Jesus says in Matthew 18, that you've been forgiven this huge debt that you can Mm -hmm. never repay. Mm -hmm. So you've been forgiven more than you could ever, you know, repay, obviously. So how can you not forgive others Mm -hmm. um, for theirs? Um, And I would just add, that we are not to just focus on changing our sinful behavior. I mean, you know, we're, we're examining, you know, unwholesome speech and sinful anger, and, and we need to examine ourselves, um, and, we, and we need to understand really the heart behind all of that. What, what is our heart issue there? What's driving that behavior? Because our hearts are really the fountain of the behavior, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? What is the desire? Yeah, what is the desire? Maybe you come to these things with expectations, mm-hmm. unmet expectations, or you have an agenda that you're worshiping, um, and there's just so many things that we do that we um, would do well to guard against. And so mm-hmm. we've got to go a little bit deeper um, in order to to fight that sin, as it were. But along the way, even though that's hard heart work, we can be encouraged because God's divine power has really granted the believer everything they need for life and for godliness uh, through the true knowledge of Christ, even when the words family holiday are uttered. Okay, so... I mean, yeah. And, you know, and I'm encouraged because it's going to help me as well. Absolutely. I mean, I'm going into some new situations. And so this is a good heart check for me. It it is for me, too. I I was so encouraged yesterday and when I was working on this a little bit more and and my husband asked, what did you do? What have you been studying today? I was like, I've been in Ephesians 4, just a few verses. And he was like, this long? And I was like, yes, it was so rich. And it was such an encouragement to my heart. Um, And when I say encouragement, I mean conviction too, right? 
And uh, it was just so good because all I kept thinking about is Christ displaying all of these things in his life. And here we are celebrating the very season of who came. That's right. So we are living out the the very things that he has commanded us to do, celebrating his appearance on earth. So the timing was perfect. Yeah, the timing I love that. was perfect. Um, and I'm going to be sharing with our Facebook group not only the pecan pie recipe, <laughs> and if you have a cherry pie recipe, mm, okay. I would love for you to share it because we may have some people who are allergic to nuts <laughs> and maybe would prefer cherry. So, um, but I, I'm going to be putting a very practical tool that uh, my husband and I have been using for years in counseling, um, and it's just basically the four called the four rules of communication. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to have a little PDF that we're going to put in there with some more practical help for you uh, this Christmas season. And uh, it comes straight from Ephesians 4. And it just makes Ephesians 4 really practical. But before closing, really quick, uh, and before the holiday guests arrive, can I just encourage our women to pray for the people that are going to be with them over the holidays before you speak to them. I already gave you two other P's, providence, right? <laughs> and purpose. But how about we pray? Some people may be coming into our homes who are what scripture says, and you said just a while ago, are our enemy. Um, their greatest need is not political change. Um, but spiritual change. So remember those two other P's, providence and purpose. And now I'm giving you one more P, okay? Practice. And these are the three things that I want you to practice before your guest arrive. And remember, these, these opportunities that are coming are opportunities for the gospel. I want you to request God's favor for the holiday providences that he brings your way. Respond biblically. Again, uh, go to the Women's Hope uh, Facebook group, not page, but group for this helpful PDF. And remember the need for the gospel. You needed it. And so will others that you encounter this holiday season. So request, respond, remember. Okay. Ladies, thank you so much for listening. Uh, It is our prayer that you have a wonderful Christmas and reflect on the glories and the work of Jesus Christ, who had came to earth to save us from our sin. I would also like to thank TMU for producing and hosting the podcast. You can find all of our episodes at masters.edu backslash women's dash hope. And we are also a part of the Bar Network. Be sure to check out us and other great podcasts there as well. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. And also we are on the Masters University YouTube channel. So Have a blessed holiday season and enjoy your pecan pie. Thank you for listening to the Women's Hope podcast of the Masters University. For more resources and episodes, visit masters.edu slash women's hope. 
For more information on the Master's University, visit masters.edu. We'll see you next time.